Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Uh, We're going to just run through a couple of slides on our series that we're in on the mission, vision, and values at Harvest. Um, How many of you know we're here with purpose? Um, If... Our sole purpose was just to be relational. We wouldn't, we, if that was the only purpose, it's a primary purpose. But if it was the only purpose why we were here, um, then we wouldn't be evangelizing the world. We wouldn't be, have a mission to change the society. And I'll say it very clearly. We're called to change society. All the different elements of the culture need to come in alignment with God. In order for the planet, in order for everyone in the world to live their best possible life, they need Jesus. Period. There's no other solution to the problems. Would you agree? Okay. So we are called um, here to... You go ahead and go to the next slide here. With With our mission, we want to usher in the kingdom of God through the complete transformation of a region. We we support missionaries who are called all over the world, and they're transforming those places that they're called. You've been planted here with a purpose. Right? Planted here with a purpose. So we want to usher in the kingdom of God. What does that look like? Revival, right? Like if we could put it into one word, it would be revival. And revival is God's transformative presence changing lives. His presence changing lives. That's revival. It's not a set of meetings Thursday through Saturday. I'm going to come preach a revival. Can I, I get calls from people. Can I come preach some revivals in your church? I'm like, I, I, I'm in the Northwest. That's a Southern thing. You know, like we don't do that here. Like you want to come preach a conference? You want to have a, <laughs> you know, something like that, you know. Uh, but this concept of revival is that people are touching the presence of God and they become alive. They become alive and every aspect of their life begins to change because they've encountered God. Amen? How do we do that? Well, ultimately, we want to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. We recognize that there are needs in this community and needs for every person that walks through the door. And I, I, I know everybody who, you know, is mature in Christ knows that you're at times very needy. Even as a mature believer, you need people. You need some things in your life, right? If you're not needing some things, then you might not see yourself pretty clearly. But when we see ourselves clearly in light of the goodness of God, we go, man, I, I need people. I need some things in my life. I need to grow. I need a place where I can pour out and minister and and help people. And last week, we focused entirely on us being a refuge for healing. And I think that this is so critical because it's easy as a church to be so focused on just a handful of things that we miss the big picture. 
And the big picture of, of what we do with small groups and what we do with our gatherings and what we do trying to be connected throughout the week, what we do as a community, as a body of believers, is to see people made whole and empowered to go change the world. We want to see people empowered and made whole so they can go change the world. And, of course, we talked about some of the impediments to safety. Uh, we talk about how do we keep the environment safe, right? We talked about never forgetting that God's presence is where every need is met. We also talked about non-negotiable love. We talked about being vulnerable, open, and honest with one another. That creates safety. It doesn't feel safe when you're open and honest and vulnerable. And, you know, I heard a great testimony yesterday of someone who, um, the last day that they took a drink, and they've been sober for a very long time, was the day that they confessed to somebody that they were an alcoholic. They had never told anybody anybody that ever and the moment that they said I'm it like it hit them and they never drank again there's healing in confession and it takes openness honesty and vulnerability just to say I'm messed up I've made mistakes I'm getting it wrong amen we believe the best in one another. When we believe the best in one another, we're no longer getting offended by things that, that where we're assuming a bad motive. That creates safety. When we believe people and we take them at their word and we believe the best instead of impugning people's motives because they did something that I really didn't like how they did it, they must be horrible people. <laughs> no, we believe the best. That creates safety. Another way that we create safety is by declaring our commitment to one another, making sure everybody knows that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter where you've been, we're not going anywhere. We declare our commitment. We're committed. We're in for the long haul with each person. No matter how many times you make a mistake, we're still here. We're committed. That brings life to people. And, and inevitably, probably about once every two or three years, I run across somebody who does everything they can to get rejected because they anticipate the rejection so much that they actually try to force it. And when it doesn't happen, it's this massive cognitive dissonance and they don't know what to do with it because they're expecting to be rejected, but that doesn't happen. And they're like, ha, well, I don't know what to do with this. Just receive love. Just receive it. Because we're not going anywhere. We declare a commitment. And, you know, some people have asked, you know, how is it that some people stay for a while and then they go? And some people connect for a season and then they go. One of the realities is that we may just be a stop on the road where they're on this bus for a season and then it's time for them to move on to their next, their next destination. This is not about holding as many people in as we can. We want to make sure that if you're going, that you get everything you can from your season here. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's about the kingdom. It's not about just harvest. 
right? If we don't launch people, we're not really a launch pad, right? So, but we do declare our commitment, and we give space for hurting people to make mistakes, right? Give lots of space for that. And it's really hard when our expectation's up here, and they come in down here, and we're like, oh, man, they should be up here. Well, that's the moment where we give grace to fill this. Amen? We give grace to fill the gap in our expectation where they didn't meet it. Otherwise, we're offended. And that's a trap. And God doesn't want us offended. He said, you will get offended, but don't worry, I've overcome the world. Right? I'm still bigger. So today, as we consider one of our core values, and um, uh, the core team, we took a long time to review a lot of identity statements, things that um, just kind of exemplify who we are, right? There's things that, that we just are naturally and who we strive to be. This is, a, this is a list specifically focused around the culture, the values in a culture that, that empowers growth at a high level. So that if you're, if you're stepping in and we value these things well, people grow. People grow. Now, we have relationship on one side which is like our, we've got eight core values of relationship. Then I just listed a couple in that list, right? Like unconditional love is a core value of relationship. You don't get to earn more love or you don't get to lose love based on your behavior. Unconditional. And how many of you know sometimes we just need Jesus for that, right? But that as a core value as in the way that we do relationship, it actually empowers us to be able to do some of these values that allow everyone that comes into this environment to get connected and to grow. Because a culture is an environment for growth. And I, I spent some time a few weeks ago talking about, man, everyone who walks in the room, we need healing. We need healing and we need growth, everybody. We all do. We are all hitting different, la- different layers of the onion coming off. I need more healing. I need more growth. And the reality is that you, you were never called to do it alone. You were called to do it in community where there is unconditional love, where the Father's heart is represented in such a way that you can receive love without fear of the backlash of your bad performance. So we've got some, some, the next slide, some values that we've um, kind of defined and what we've tried to do, keep going, one more, um, is as we've defined the values, we're going to be going through this over a series. I'm just going to look at each one um, because if I try to squeeze them all in, it's going to take, it's a long sermon. Um, but, you know, we, these are the ones that we've, we've changed some of the old ones and we've, we've reoriented and, and even given new definitions to them that more fit um, the heart of this house. So we have service, generosity, communication, which is communication. We'll spend some time on that. But this is how we express love to one another. We communicate. 
right? How do we express the love that we have for one another? It has to be communicated well, and that is going to be with word and deed, right? So then we also have stewardship, stewardship. We're stewards. None of this, this church isn't ours. The people that God sends here in Plants, they're not ours. We get to steward what God is doing. And when we all recognize stewardship as a core value, you will no longer worry about a lot of things that you would worry about normally. And there's a difference between stewardship and ownership. Ownership generally leads to control. Stewardship leads us into a place of being able to let go of outcomes because we're trusting it to the Lord. And when you're only concerned about the outcomes, you'll start to control, right? So we have stewardship, uh, and then we also have character. We feel like um, we have to have a strong emphasis on the development of character. And this is being very, very bold in our integrity, bold in our compassion for people. Those are character traits, right? And so we define that. Um, you know, just so that we can kind of have a grid. One of the reasons why we do this is so that as we work with each other, we understand kind of a baseline of where we're going and how we should be relating to one another. Because the culture is how we do life together. Right? And then excellence was just doing the best, best you can with what you got. Right? Just doing the best you can with what you got. It's not about perfection. And it's not about performance. It's like, okay, if God, if you give me something to do, I'm going to give my all to you. That's excellence. Pretty simple. But we're going we're gonna to break that stuff down because some people consider excellence to actually go against. Um, I've, I've heard this, that they feel like excellence um, is not a kingdom concept because it produces performance. We don't want to perform, but there was such excellence throughout the temple. God does some things with excellence. He does it amazingly, and he provides everything that we can, everything that he can to us so that we can do the best we can with what he gives us. We have to give our best to the Lord. The only reason we don't usually give our best is because we're more concerned about other things. So if I'm in relationship with Pam and I want to be excellent in my relationship with Pam, I actually have to give her my best. Do you see how, how like, it's not just about the way things look or how they feel. It's about what's happening in your heart and what are you, what are you doing to give all that you can to the people around you. And when God gives you a role or a function or he gives you an assignment, you should give your best to it, right? And when we don't, it shows. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do, we do things with excellence? Because it reveals his glory. The queen of Sheba knew that there was a God in heaven by the way the waiters were dressed in Solomon's court and the way the stairs were built because somebody said, I'm going to give my best to this, and their best was excellent. 
just blew her mind. So, there's a way to do that in balance so that you're not striving and striving and striving to do more and do more and do more. So we're going to unpack that. Today I want to talk about service. Service is focusing on others and acting for their benefit in the name of Jesus Christ. Focusing on others and acting for their benefit in the name of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pray real quick. And we're going to look at what is this, what does it look like to have a culture of service? Listen, while we are in the turn, while things are shifting, while we are turning, one of the things that has to happen is that the ways in which we've related to the Father and we've related to each other that aren't healthy, they got to go. Because we can't get where we're going if we keep doing what we've always done. And there's patterns, there's habits, guys. There's elements of our culture that we've just allowed to be ingrained in us that have to shift if we're going to get to where God wants us to be. Now, well, let's, let's read some scripture and uh, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. I can't help but start every prayer with thank you for your goodness in our lives. I thank you, God, that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. I thank you, God, that everything that we need, you've given us. I thank you, God, that we don't have to strive and try and fight for the things that you have for us. So, Father, teach us to think the way you think, to act the way you act, to do what you want us to do, to love the way you want us to love. And, God, we thank you and praise you for what you're doing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to look at verses 13 and 14. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. It's really an interesting antithesis. Your freedom is being juxtaposed with service. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh to please yourself, but instead serve one another. Don't use your liberty to serve your needs. Use your freedom to serve others' needs. Verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we have to ask the question, what does love look like? We know that the feeling of love is an overwhelming affection for someone or something, but how many of you know love is more than a feeling? It's more than a feeling. C.S. Lewis said, Love is not affectionate feeling, a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be attained. 
Billy Graham said, true love is an act of the will. A conscious decision to do what is best for the other person instead of ourselves. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bob Goff, but he said, selfless love is always costly. Fear can't afford it. Pride doesn't understand it. And friends never forget it. Of course, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. To lay down their life for their friends. I believe that service is a key expression of love. Service is a key expression of love. And there's many ways we can express love. I mean, we've, we've even got the five love languages that we could talk about. Gifts, quality time. My wife said, amen. Acts of service is a love language. Physical touch, words of affirmation. These are different specific ways in which many of you are pre-wired to give and receive love. It's interesting that when it comes to love in the body of Christ, the apostles in Jesus make a focus on serving one another as an act of love. It does say that, that, that we should greet the brethren with a holy kiss. So, you know, there's some physical touch there. I'm a hugger. I'm a, I'm a physical touch guy. I'm like, man, come here, give me a hug. And some people are like, thank you. Like, step away. Back off. I'm like, nah, come here. I'm going to make you really awkward for a minute. I'm okay with that. Some of you are not. Service creates a tangible environment for everyone to experience the love of God. Service creates a tangible environment for everyone to experience the love of God. Galatians 5 again says, Through love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Service in the body of Christ brings unity. Service in the body of Christ brings unity. Philippians 2 is just an absolute gorgeous passage. Um, We are working on memorizing that in MIT. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. All right. Consolation, if there's anything that God has consoled you in through Christ, if that's present, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, 
our entire community over the past two years has had an unusual level of grief. You name an area, and there's probably some grief attached. We've had a lot of people die. That's the big one, grief. We've also had hopes and dreams, whether it was in the political realm or in the business realm or in different areas of our life where there's some grief happening. We've had people have to travel across the country and there's grief attached to what they left. Uh, if there's any comfort of love, has God's love comforted you in the grief, in the breaking, in the dream that was shattered? Well, if that's present, and if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any koinonia, if there's any giving and taking in this fellowship of, of life exchange in the Spirit, if that's happening, if there's any affection, affection, being affectionate, loving people well, I, I have a, it was interesting, I was thinking about this this morning, I find myself very easily able to really have affection for people, but that is different than a deep love for people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people I'm really affectionate with, but there's some people, man, I just like, oh, oh I love them, right? So I'm like, Lord, what's the, what's the difference here? Well, I think that affection is that desire and that expression of love that we have for people, which we can give to anybody. We can have affection with anybody. And you know what's great is that mercy can be shown to anyone. So if there's any affection and mercy, if that's present, then he says this, fulfill my joy. By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Philippians 2, 1 through, 11, uh, 1 through 7, 1 through 8 is what I'm reading today. So service in the body of Christ binds us together. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. In lowliness of mind, esteem others better than himself. Look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Service brings unity to the body of Christ. It brings unity. When we choose to humble ourselves and serve one another, it brings unity in the body of Christ. Pride brings disunity. Humility 
creates a pathway for unity. Service also models the mind and the character of Christ. It models the mind and the character of Christ. Verse 5 in, in Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't feel like he was, him being equal with God, he didn't feel like he was taking something he didn't deserve. He knew he was equal with God. It says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Service models the mind and the character of Christ. His thinking was humble. He put the needs of others above his own, and his character was proven through his motivation. Why was he doing what he was doing? For the sake of others, not for his own benefit. He was made of no reputation. He was willing to lay down the glory that he rightfully had as the Son of God so that he could come and serve us. And Tom, in our pre-service prayer, was just really moved at the thought of Jesus washing our feet. The King of glory on his knees in front of us, taking the dirt off of our feet. Some of us just had a... Because we don't like our feet. Let me just say, he came to serve. And he was willing to humble himself at every step to serve others. So when we serve in the body of Christ, we are modeling the character of Christ. Valuing others over ourselves creates a flow of radical life change and healing. Valuing others over ourselves creates a radical flow of life change and healing. As a refuge for healing, we can get really focused on ourselves and our healing. Somebody say amen. Okay, that's just me. As a refuge for healing, we can get so introspective that we ignore the needs around us because we feel like we need to be healed to a level to give. Can I just postulate something? I'm just going to throw it out there. Your healing comes as you pour. Your healing comes as you serve. If you think that you're not ready for healing, we have a, we have a leadership phrase. If you're ready, you're late. If you're ready, you're late. God wants to use you to impact the lives of the people around you by humbling yourself and serving other people. Now, anybody ever heard of the Pareto principle? Okay, some people go, mm-hmm. The Pareto principle says that out of any 100% of a group, 
20% is doing 80% of the work and 80% is doing 20%. So when you look at church finances, the Pareto principle generally applies. It doesn't here, thank God. We have just generous people here. It's amazing. But in most churches, 20% or 80% of the income comes from 20% of the people. In the average church, only 8% tithe. Right. So when we look at the Pareto principle with serving, you can see that there's 20% of the people who are pouring themselves out and trying to create an atmosphere for people who come in the door who need to encounter the love and the presence of God, right? Or maybe in their small group or maybe in, in whatever ministry that they're doing, even with believers, even in outreach in the community, there's about 20% of people who are doing about 80% of the heavy lifting. That's the Pareto principle. This is how people get burned out. This is how people get fried on serving. Because they're asking people to help, and the people, they're like, well, you know, I've already done that. You know, we talked about it a little bit that way last week because we've seen such a huge shift in this. And just say praise God for it, where people are like, yeah, I could definitely give myself to that for a season, right? And if we understand that we're only giving ourselves to however long God calls us to do it, then why are we worried about it? Because when God moves us on to the next thing, guess what? As we serve one another, it becomes very easy to move on to the next thing. We create space for people to serve each other. So the 20% aren't getting fried. All right, I want to I read uh, another passage of Scripture, and that's 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 10. It says this, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Come on, this is 2,000 years ago, people. And he believed the end of all things was at hand. It's at hand. We're 2,000 years closer. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Continues. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay. So who is the one another Peter is talking about? Right? He says... Right? Have fervent love for one another. Who's the one another? The body of Christ, believers, have fervent love for one another. Jesus' prayer at the Last Supper, he said, God, I am praying that they love each other so the world might know who you are. Have fervent love for one another. 
We're talking about serving the body of Christ and creating a place where sins are covered, not ignored, but they're covered. We don't want to ignore things that need to be dealt with. Amen? That was quiet. All right. We, <laughs> we don't want to ignore things that need to be dealt with, but we can cover them. That's a beautiful thing about this house. People in their brokenness, including my own, they don't get exposed. They don't. We don't expose people's brokenness. We don't. We, love covers a multitude of sins. We might need to address some things. We might have to work through some things. We might need counseling. You might need to set an appointment with Lisa for some deliverance and healing ministry. You might, you know, there's lots of things that we, maybe we need to get you into some professional counseling. Maybe there's some things that we've got to do, but we're not going to ignore it, but we can cover it. Love covers a multitude of sins. This is also a place where complaining and grumbling are non-existent. Complaining and grumbling. You know that under-the-breath comment you made as you walked away after somebody asked you to do something? Yeah, that's grumbling. All right, so complaining and grumbling become non-existent where there is fervent love for one another. Now, the reality is that we need to have needs and feelings expressed appropriately. We want to know what the needs are, and we want to know what the frustration is, and we want to know how can, how can things improve or what needs to shift. But you, hopefully we have a culture of communication where you feel free to bring up the things that are hard for you so that there's healing. Sometimes, and I will say this, sometimes I'm absolutely unaware but people think I'm aware. So they don't want to say anything because they figure I know. How about you just come and say what is on your heart and what you're having a hard time with or what the fear is or what, you know, talk to me, talk to one of the leaders. If you're on a serve team, talk to your serve team leader. I'm having a hard time. Like we want to be able to have a place where your feelings and your needs and the things that you're desiring are expressed appropriately because sometimes we're not even aware. And if you don't say anything, how are we going to know? And maybe there's a reason behind what we do that you don't know and it's an opportunity for them to explain it. Or one of our values of leadership is we reinvent continually. Maybe we're doing it in a way that's making it harder for people and we got to shift what we do. We're not going to know unless it's said. So instead of complaining and grumbling, just come and talk, right? This is fervent love for one another. Let me read the passage again so you really understand that everything I'm saying is biblical. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
So we also, not only do we want to be a place where sins are covered, where complaining and grumbling are non-existent, where we have healthy communication about what's happening with our needs and feelings so that we can express those, but there is effective ministry happening. The gifts in each of us are utilized for the benefit of who? Others. Your spiritual gifts aren't about you. They're about others. And if you get your identity because you're gifted, let's, let's start working that out. Because your identity needs to be as a son who can just give it away freely. And if it's not asked for or it's not utilized, it doesn't reflect on your identity, on how people value you if they're not using your gift. What happens when there's effective ministry, when we're serving one another with the gifts that we have? Well, it reveals the manifold grace of God. It reveals the many, many folds, many-sided, multifaceted grace of God. Each of you has a different side of the grace of God and the gifts that he's put in you that has to be revealed in the body of Christ. How does revival happen? Ministry. Ministering to people's needs. God's presence shows up when they encounter a good God. That doesn't happen. It can happen. Let me just say it can happen, but often that won't happen without another person who's a son or daughter of God coming to that person in need and praying for them, introducing them to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, ministering to the need that's right in front of them. What happens when we minister to each other's needs? We begin to have unveiled this manifold grace of God. It's grace because it's a divine empowerment for you to minister. Again, some of us have withheld ministry to people because we don't think we're ready or worth it. If you're ready, you're late. Part of your healing is in your pouring. Part of your healing is in your pouring. Now, what does this look like effectively? Well, honestly, I feel like it's nothing formal This isn't a call for everybody to join a serve team. This is the moment where you see the people around you and you begin to value them more than you value yourself and you make an effort to connect and to serve them and to minister to them. You make an effort. If you don't try, nothing's going to move. God has laid people on your heart that are in this community that you can't wait till you see them on Sunday so you can connect with them. How about you call them? Don't wait for Sunday. Why are we doing that? Gather some people at your house. 
enjoy fellowship together. We have a couple of families that are excellent connectors. They just, people connect with them and they just have constantly opened their home. And they're always there. Serving people. Even if it's just hanging out, it's creating an environment for people to open up. To get real for a minute. God puts somebody on your heart. Serve them. What do you need? How can I help you? What's happening in your world? Listen. Listening is the new superpower. Did you know that? <laughs> Listen. Find out what's really happening. Pray for them. Minister to them. Not because you think that you've, you're so great that you've got all this stuff. You come in your brokenness too. But we have to serve one another. So, one of the things that I would ask you to consider is the areas and the needs that you've seen where you felt you could meet that need in somebody's life, here at the church, in the community, areas of need that God has put on your heart, but you've ignored it. If there are any areas where, where God has put a passion in your heart or a burden or where somebody has even invited you into something, maybe you humble yourself and you just serve. The big question is how can we extend ourselves to others to serve others without regard to ourselves? Self care is important. Amen? It's really important to take a Sabbath, to rest. It's really important to not be overextended. It's really important to not just run after every need you see. This has to be a time with you and the Lord determining where you're serving, how you can pour out. And maybe it's moment by moment, and maybe it's in a ministry of some kind. Maybe it's somewhere where you're, God's put some training in you or some gifting in you, and you're like, man, I really want to serve in a particular way. Let's have the conversation about how to, we can help you in your process to get that thing launched or to begin to serve or begin to do the things that are in your heart to do. And don't be surprised if some people around you say, I don't think you're ready for that, let's start here. None of us like to have people say, that's awesome, that's great, and we need to shore up some foundations first. But this is what fivefold ministry is here for, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry until we all come to this complete perfection that's in Christ. We, we, we've got that we've, we have fivefold ministry for the sake of helping everyone be equipped for the work. And if someone in your life says, "Hey, you know, I, I'm with you, but we need to shore up some foundations." It would be very, it might feel a little humbling, but that's the right place to be because that's what Jesus did. It, 
It's good to be in a place where you serve in safety. It's good to be in a place to work out the skills or the things that you need to get to where God has called you to be. And trust me, I've had many conversations where I'm like, you're beyond ready, you need to go now. Like actually, yeah, we've been waiting, let's go. Like you're ready to launch, now, move. Like let's put it together, let's make it happen because this thing on your life is for this season, it is for right now and let's go. Dennis Lee. Right? Let's go. Let's go. So that's not, like, it just depends on what the Holy Spirit's really saying about you. And you know what's funny is if it pricks your heart a little bit to have somebody say, hang on, let's, let's do a couple other things first, then that's something you've got to take to the Lord and then have an honest, open, vulnerable conversation with that person. Because we want to hear what you're seeing too. There is no control. When there are boundaries, it's for the sake of flow, not to control. It's so that we can move well together in unity. So how can you extend yourself to serve others without regard to yourself? Are are there gifts that the body needs to see revealed that have nothing to do with your glory or to meet your need to be approved and valued and acknowledged? There's a reason why every, every, time, every time I'd come in a room, um, you know, people just be like, you know, tell us what to do because we see that you're a leader, right? Like, it didn't matter what was going on. Like, I'm volunteering at the chamber, and they're like, you need to be on the executive committee. I'm like, oh, okay. I, you know, it's like, like there's certain gifts on your life that you don't even see, but God keeps pushing you toward that, but in my brokenness, in my need to be valued, I began looking for platform before my character could carry the platform. And when God opened the doors for that, it was very humbling, but yet there were still foundations that need to be laid. I had a very hard time with mentors I had a very hard time with fathers in the faith. I had a very hard time with people who were like, you need to slow down. I'm like, well, you don't understand. Pride. I'm just telling you, I've been there. It is important for all of us to listen to those who are around us, who are here to help us build and grow and become the people that we're called to be. And when they're spotting something in us that we can't see to humbly receive it and seek the Lord on it instead of reject it. Do you know they're serving you doing that? They're serving you with the gifts and the ministries that are in their life to help you get to where God called you to be? Praise God. Praise God. That was one of the big shifts for me in the past couple of years is actively seeking mentoring on a different level. Like I had some guys that I would like bounce things off of and I've got really close friends but like, no, I need a mentor. I need somebody that can just see me and call me out. 
that's praying for me and hearing God on my behalf. Praise God for that. There's always things, there's always ways we can serve in humility doing things that need to be done to meet the needs of those around us. There's tons of apparent needs here. Maybe that's you. Consider. God, how could I serve? Every team, that I'll just say this about the serve teams, every team that we have here is to serve a specific need in the body. That's why, why they're here. When we have a culture where we actively look to meet needs and we can serve others in the name of Christ, not only are you able to not be spread thin, but your service will meet needs, allowing others to encounter the healing and growth they need to encounter in Christ because it's not about us. Amen? Amen. Will you stand? So we serve. Because we have fervent love for one another, we serve. Because we have fervent love for one another, we serve. Now, I recognize the moments where people come in and they're very broken and, and they're not, they, they don't feel like they have anything to give. Man, let's gather the ministers around them so they can get healed. Amen? Because as they get healed, they're going to start to pour out. Amen? Most of you here are actually in a place where you're able to pour out, where you're able to give of yourselves. So begin to ask the Father, how do you want me serving the body in this season? Because there's this element of serving the body, serving one another, that was unique to the body of Christ. So much so that it created revival when people saw how the Christians were with each other. They said, I want that. So, Father, we come before you right now. We ask that you just do the work in our hearts to help us see clearly what you're saying and what you're doing. How you want us to be pouring out in this season and loving one another through service. Father, I pray for deep connection for every person in the body of Christ with one another. That there would be, each person would begin to fold around them those people that you've called them to serve. That it would not be about the function of serving, but about encountering the love of God in a depth of relationship that brings healing. Father, you're doing some amazing things in this season and you want to reorient kind of what this culture looks like. So Father, I pray that this would just take root in every heart, that we would be willing to give of ourselves freely, loving one another, serving one another. God, I thank you for the connectors. I thank you for the people who are actively right now seeking to gather together people and start small groups and, and they, their eyes are on the needs of the body. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for Richard and Darcy and Jim and Kathy specifically as being those strong 
connectors who are just doing what they can to gather as many people as they can to connect. But God, I believe that's for the whole body to grab, not just for a few. So Father, I pray that you would awaken in each of us how to serve in this season while walking very tightly and closely with you. How to serve while we are not being overwhelmed or trying to perform, but we are standing steadfastly with you in your presence, seeing you move. Father, I thank you and praise you for what you're doing in this place. For those that feel like your needs are too great in order to give out, can I just say you're okay? That is okay. But I'm praying that you open the door to let people in to minister to you. Let people in to help you. Let people in to spend time to hear your story, to understand the heartache and the pain that you've been through so that they can help bring Jesus into the middle of it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And Jesus, we thank you that as we serve one another, we model who you are. As we love one another well, the world sees and knows that there is a God in heaven. Season knows that there is something different. Not to build our ministry or, or to build a club, but to live out the fullness of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for what you are doing in this place. can, just raise your hands to heaven as we close. Just raise your hands. Service in the kingdom is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Empower us to give and to serve and to love. Where we don't feel like we're capable, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill us so that we can have wisdom in how we serve so we can have boldness in how we serve. Holy Spirit, come. Fill your people. We know that revival comes through Holy Spirit-empowered ministry. So God, we, we haven't lost the mission of revival, but we know that the needs must be met. We know, God, that the broken people need healing. We know, God, that the relationships that, that we need in order to become the men and women of God we're called to be, that each person here is here to pour out. So Holy Spirit, fill so we can pour out of the freedom we have in Christ, not our flesh. Not out of our own need for approval, but we can pour out because you filled us, Holy Spirit. Fill your people. Fill your people. Fill your people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come and fill. Come and fill. I want to give opportunity if anybody 
has a testimony or wants to speak about this this topic, I feel like some of you actually have some things that have really impacted you that would be an encouragement for somebody. Anybody? I think um, what I'm what I'm what I'm feeling, sensing, is that some of you have a testimony of someone coming alongside of you and ministering to you in your need. That was transformational. Because I think we need to hear it. Some real life stories of how people have served and changed a life. Is anybody? Terry, come on up. Hopefully I can get through this. Um, I had, a few weeks back, I had been uh, just really feeling like things were upside down in my life. And uh, some hard things that I had been going through. And I sat down with Chris and I was talking to him about some of these things. and. You know, I, when I got sick nine years ago, I told him a little story that um, just prior to that, um, had heard about this, I don't know what you want to call it, a vow or whatever, um, that just basically, and the intent of it was to protect my family that I, I told Satan that if he was going to attack my family, that I wanted him to focus on me and leave them alone. And right after that, I got sick. And when I was talking to Chris, I mentioned that to him, and his eyes got really wide. And the reason I'm saying this is I think a lot of times we don't see things that are right in front of us until we share with somebody else that has the wisdom because they've been there to be able to help us see that. Anyway, I mentioned it to Chris and his eyes got really big. And I, I looked at him and he goes, that's an unholy vow. You made a vow to Satan unknowingly. And so we prayed together and asked, asked God to forgive me and to help me and to remove this curse, remove this vow. And I told Chris right after that, I just felt so um, light. Like something had been, like a 10 ton weight had been lifted off my shoulders that I had been carrying around with me for years and not known it. I just think it's so important that we take that risk and share with others what we're going through. (laughs) 
We don't have to do this alone. We need each other. We need to help each other. And it may not be the person you talk to knows exactly what to do to help you, but I'll bet they know somebody that does. I just thank you, God, that you've given us each other for this purpose. I thank you that you have made us to be here to help one another through this life and to share life together. Thank you, God. Come here, man. So great. Love you. Love you. Come on up, Marsha. This is a little scary for me, actually, because I've spent probably the last uh, 15 years being quiet, being told that whatever I had to say in the spirit as I was asking the Holy Spirit to use me in ministry, that it was not allowed. And this year, this 2021, has been without a doubt the most difficult year of my life. And I have lost everything, everything that was important to me, my home, my marriage, my husband, my material things. I don't have anything left anymore. It's all gone. And I've lost friends. And I came here because I knew Chris. I knew he and Mika from years ago. I knew him before he was doing this. I even called him pastor once before he was a pastor. And he welcomed me. And he said it was okay to come here because I actually asked him permission. Can I come here? So I came here and I want to thank you for the place of refuge that you've been for me. And I want to thank you all for the transformation because I'm beginning to find Marsha from years ago I'm beginning to find her again, and I kind of like her, actually. I kind of like her. But I want to thank the worship team, because truly they lead us into a place, into the Holy of Holies. They're phenomenal. I want to thank Chris and Mika for sharing their lives with us and for giving us an opportunity to walk in healing and wholeness and to be restored, to be restored. That is what Jesus does, is he restores us. So thank you, thank you. Love you, Marcia. <laughs> All right, who else? Who else wants to share a testimony of how people have served or, or ministered to you? There is, um, there is such hope. Because each one of you 
has something amazing to give. If you don't see it yet, it's okay. We'll keep loving on you and try and pull that out. But you all have something amazing to give. And when you recognize that what we're doing and how we love one another is so much bigger than a Sunday gathering. And you can connect with each other outside of these days, these formal gatherings. The more love grows, the more hope grows, the more healing comes. So let's have a culture of service where we consider others more than ourselves. We serve their needs in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.